is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Episode 25, Series 6, Victoria still in lockdown and to be in lockdown for some time beyond the initial deadline of Tuesday this week. We're talking on a Monday afternoon of this particular week. Craig Hutchison, Damien Barrett with you. Hello, Hutchie. Hello, Damo. I hope things are going okay at home. You got through a week without hopefully any major incidents next door. So good to see that you're back again. I didn't get any additional legal letters during the week, so I was pleased about that. Uh, we're here, of course, for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. And I, I want to, off the top, offer an apology. Damo? Okay. This could go to any number of people. Who is it going to be, Hutchie? Well, historically in radio and television, I've just called it as I saw it and got a lot of things wrong and just hope no one would go back over the history books. <laughs> but because you always say Series 6, Episode 25, like we're a bloody Netflix series that people are going to go back and retrace the story narr- narr- narrative. I do that to take the you-know-what, oh, as you know, know. But, but people actually do appreciate it at the same time. I'm, but yes, keep going. So I'm a little more sensitive <laughs> to things said in historical editions because <laughs> of the way you present the series and the episode. And so therefore, there's a... Th- there's some commentary I made four or five episodes ago that I think it's haven't, haven't dated well, haven't aged, haven't aged well, well as the modern <laughs> vernacular would say. Yeah. And that was at the time that I was in Sydney when there was a COVID outbreak. I couldn't find it to page seven of the Sydney paper, yep. nor the next day. And I used it as an illustration of how different Melbourne and Sydney were. Melbourne was outraged and shock. <laughs> you did. Sydney's back to system trust will be right. Yep. Clearly it didn't work out that way. Clearly the system, as presented by me a month ago, not quite as foolproof as first thought. Uh, Gladys hasn't had a great month in the eyes of the Tally Mirror. It's got papped again yesterday. Uh, uh, getting without a, coffee, a mask. Getting a coffee without a mask. Come back to that in a moment. So for those who thought I was a bit flippant on it, clearly didn't read the play as well as I would have liked. And I put my hand up and apologised. That, uh, Isn't that good? Isn't that good? The, See, liberal, the liberal approach uh, only lasted so long, didn't it, it? This apology may have come for so many reasons, Hutch. It could be just because you are generally apologetic for what you said yes. some time ago. It could also be, and I'm starting to think this way, part of your thawing in the eyes of the public because you need to show regret could, and empathy. And, and Be contrite. And, and error, yeah. So is it maybe more to do with the thawing of you, which – has been a project which we we did discuss also in series six, maybe at circa episode fifteen, when you uh, went on to the "Don't Shoot the Messenger" podcast and <laughs> and really opened up about your life and who you really are. No, it's nothing to do with any perceived thawing, Damo, but it was a misread of the situation by the premier and by extension myself. Oh, that's good. In well, the same situation, so it's we feel for everyone in Sydney and. Things aren't slowing down there at the moment, nah. so we're, we're we're hopeful that things can turn around soon. What did you think of the papping of the Premier with the photo and the coffee and the commentary around it on Monday? It's been you know, relatively well tabled in the Sydney media today. Yeah. Look, I haven't absorbed it maybe to the extent you have. I've seen the photo on online and, look, when you, when you are the Premier of a state telling people to act in a certain way – you have to be seen to be acting in that way yourself, I would have thought. And, okay, there's a coffee in hand and there's a permission to drink coffee, obviously, but I didn't see any, unless I've missed the photo, I didn't see any mask around said face in question. So I don't think it's a great look, to be honest with you, um, given you, you're asking people to do certain things under a certain watch. We talked about this, the coffee cup. It's been the weapon of mass avoidance 
in COVID. Yep. It's been the clutch that people have hung on to to avoid doing what they didn't want to do. The coffee. The coffee cup. The takeaway coffee cup. And it's a bad optic. So it, to the letter of the law, Gladys, drinking a coffee is doing nothing wrong. That's allowed. Yep. You're allowed to, to drink or yep. uh, eat. And the fact you're walking while doing it is, is a by the by. However, a, an astute media advisor would have surely said to Gladys, yeah. if you go out for a walk in the morning, it does not matter if you are starving, need a coffee, the coffee's going to go cold before you get home. Let's not run that risk. Yep. Because that's the picture. Yep. I think the same thing happened from memory when Gill was in the AFL bubble last year. He was paranoid about not being seen. Well, they got uh, in any way. Or they they a commissioned or... a, a helicopter above yep. said quarantine hub, which I was in Hutchie, as you know. And uh, not only was the helicopter flying above it, uh, there was also a pap photographer on the outside taking shots yep. in. People, our of, of, of underage, what is underage? Teenage girls, by the way, inadvertently. But that's what uh, was the end result of that. Our listeners would know the long-held discussion we have about the power of a photo, or the impact of pictures versus the story itself. Like the like the photo of you on your last night in the footy show, where your collar was up above the, the yes. coat line. Yeah, one a.m. when someone jumped out of the bushes, and I was unaware. So that was all full all full to me. the The photo desk often leads the editorial meeting, and there would have been people sitting around saying, well, "What's the shot hmm. right now?" Is it Gladys with a coffee in her hand? Or Do you reckon they would have been on the watch hoping for said no, moment? I, I would think so, yeah. yeah. Don't you? If you're going to commission that job, yeah, I, that, I would I would think that's, that's the what you the, want. That's what the picture desk would have been barracking for. They but, won't say that. You might have still run the photo with yep. Gladys in mask, but not on page one. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, and I think what happens generally is then the higher-ups distance themselves from that act knowing full well that they're in on it. So <laughs> the, 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 the this is how it generally goes. A media advisor rings editor, gets angry. Thank you, because it's always better to blame the messenger. How could you go and do this? And then the editor or the boss would yep. have said, look, really sorry, it's editorial independence. The photographer was just out doing another job. <laughs> they happened to come across the picture. Fact, it's hit it. our desk. The, editor, the other editor likes it. We're now a bit bound yeah. to run it. So they would have distanced Without of, fear or favour, the yeah. old journalistic term. But yeah. in essence, the I think the conversation would have been, see if you can get a shot of Gladys. Yep. You know, flouting the rules. Yep, and you know, they did. That, and they did. Tell me, that, that's one element of optics this week. What about the other element of uh, another state premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk, flying out of Queensland to go to Tokyo as part of the the state of Queensland push for a future Olympic Games while the current one is about to start? Yeah, so I, I, on this I'm a bit more understanding. Before you answer that, though, I, I think it's an issue, and I, I'm not as understanding because, at this, again, the same time, she is asking the people in her state, and by extension the country, to not have people, loved ones, family members, friends come into the country, nor leave the country. There's a ban on leaving the country, yet she's doing just that. Yeah, but the foreign borders are the, the, the turf of the federal government, not the state government, so they don't, she doesn't set policy on that one way or another. She inherits the policy of the federal government. Second, second thing is, it's probably the biggest economic outcome in Queensland in its recent history or or it's, you know, in a long time. It's a big deal to win the Olympics. And I think if your Premier's not there... Whether she's there or not there, they're going to get it. Uh, yeah, There's but, no other bidder, Hachi. There's actually no other bidder. What do they, they run second? And then the political narrative becomes, 
Why why didn't you do everything you could for our state? Why weren't you there in the first place, pitching, well, I don't know. doing your best? Okay. Is the Olympic Games actually something you want right now? I mean, it's going to be a bomb for Tokyo, and, and you know my views on Tokyo. <laughs> How cynical could a man be? You're, you're already you're already poor, uh, throwing shade at the 2032 Olympics. Hachi. You think the world's still going to be conflicted by then, do you? But are you still thinking and of the view that Tokyo should go ahead? Yes. So we've got a world pandemic. Yes. A, a global pandemic. Yes. Where there are strains of this virus going off everywhere. Yes. Countries have been broken and you've got the idea to, to bring in every single nation to the one hot spot, which is still hot. I think we and, to- and, to, and to live together. And as we speak, Archie, there's already – teams even haven't arrived. There's already positive cases coming out of the Olympic Village. You still think that's a good idea? I think we have to get on with life in the best circumstances we can. I think global sport and all countries – Archie, you and together. I right now and anyone else in this state cannot leave their house yeah. beyond five kilometres. I understand, but we at least will be entertained on television and radio with the Olympic Games. Oh, don't we? <laughs> And it, it, it just gotta, doesn't sit right. You, you, you talk about optics, Archie, and, and you do, and, yep. and I do, and we both do. The optics on the Olympic Games. You, you've said that, but the optics will be out the window within 24 hours. When people get inspired by their their national heroes, and particularly in countries that have been more afflicted, where inspiration will be more pronounced, I I'm, have a different view. I respect your view. I disagree that I think it'll be... I want to like them. You know I love Olympic yep, Games. I think it'll be... But I just can't believe we're having them. Hey, can I ask you about Katie Hopkins, who's been who is being deported? Yep, for two weeks. So, can I ask you about who? So, I, I had never heard of Katie Hopkins. Twitter had. I, I had never ever heard of her. Now, I don't know yeah. whether that's embarrassing to admit that. Had you heard of her? Well, I have a Twitter account, so it, you would not find anyone who polarizes Twitter more than Katie Hopkins. Prior to this week, yes, really, because. Katie has offended just about everybody. Who is she? Tell me who she is. I mean, I've done some quick research on the retrospective um, of her, but outspoken, Outspoken far-right British commentator that's been on various platforms in the UK and offended nearly everybody. Okay. In fact, there was the famous stunt where those guys um, created a a rude situation in Prague where she won a fake award so they could embarrass her in return, and it's been an ongoing thing. I had not heard of her until three or four days ago. So my, my question is this. What came first here? Did the buyer's remorse come before the ability to extradite because of the social commentary around the quarantine? So you're talking about Channel 7 bringing her into the country. And into more, yep. Or yep. Did, the social, did her social commentary create the storm? What do you think? I think I know. Do you know what I mean happening. by that? Yeah, I, I think I do. I, I, maybe not everyone may have picked up on what you were asking there, but... Uh, Channel 7 would have happily had her on TV had she not gone and done what she had done on her own social media platforms, which has caused the debate. I have a different, perhaps, can I play the role of Damien Barrett for a moment? I have a more cynical view of this. Oh, wow. I'm keen to hear this. Katie Hopkins, highly polarizing. Offends everybody. Now, reality shows are magnets to people that offend. Mm. It's getting very hard for them in the modern woke times to continue that way of thinking, but they still somehow have found a way to do that. Katie Hopkins is going to offend everybody. There was mass offence before Katie even arrived. The thought of Katie arriving had people offended. Did it, though? The advertising boycott. I'd never heard of her, Hutchie. I didn't even know Big Brother had a VIP show. The advertising boycott looked like it was going to be, and the threats looked like they were coming. Prior prior to being deported? Prior to. The the early signs of it happening prior to the Instagram country, I feel. And I suspect but don't know... Channel 7 need a controversy like 
a hole in the head right now. The Olympic Games, it's big time for their mm. advertisers and sponsors. They went through an errant tweet last week, which James Warburton himself had to personally apologise for. Staggering tweet. Which was that. staggering and highly offensive. And I suspect that they just want to be able to swim between the flags. But hang on, this organisation... I'm assuming paid for Katie Hopkins well, to come here. And and on the other matter, how did Katie Hopkins get into the country anyway when we've got a, a quarantine and well, there's still flights international coming. ban? There's still flights coming there's in. There's a ban. There's a ban of people coming in, honey. No, there's not. No, there's less flights. There's less flights. Yeah. It's, they've been cut in half, don't they? They haven't been, um, haven't been uh, stopped altogether. And we've seen many entertainers get in under that guise. Yeah. Uh, we've seen uh, Byron, under the guise of providing yep. entertainment, which I, I wasn't aware that was a clause to so it's, dodge it's, protocol. It's an externally made show by I think it was Endemol. I read in the in the commentary, and it was a joint statement. I noticed that they were both offended. I suspect there was buyer's remorse anyway. Were they then, offended only because of the outcry, though? Well, I suspect the, comment, the, the comments gave them the opportunity just to, to sever the deal. Why wouldn't they have severed it that, prior that, to that? that it. And then politicians for a politician. Hmm. It was as good a narrative as you'll find on a politician's desk. Wait a minute, you get—you mean to tell me someone who everyone doesn't like anyway, we can get in front of a camera and we can say they've offended our country and it's quarantine and we're sacrosanct, so we're sending them home? Yep. Where do I sign up? This is like uh, Barnaby <laughs> Joyce and the Poodles 2.0 in terms of its ability to uh, to tell a story with Johnny Depp yeah. and that, that appeals to the common person. So, yeah, I'm not – horrific uh, history of offence and also – Katie has a Katie's comments were poor about quarantine. I'm just not certain that that started it and whether it wasn't already in okay. play anyway. Well, that is the the uh, the role I would normally play in that conversation. Actually, hey, uh, I know this other top this topic I'm about to introduce oh. fascinates you. Before you do, can I just clear something up? I want to apologise for another one, a second time. How, how long have been going? About 13 minutes, and, and this is your second apology. To, I, I've known you for 20 years, Hachi. I've never known you once to apologise. It's a collective apology due to COVID this Thursday. The Don't Shoot the Messenger and the Sounding Board mashup can't proceed. Yep. We were due to be at the theatre around the corner here. I was really looking forward to it with Caro and, and Corey. And unfortunately, due to the, the lockdown, we can't be there. So we have we are sending the money back for those who've purchased. Of course, if you want to make the donation to BCA, CNA, you can. But uh, we, we are and have given you your money back. And... Uh, we'll do it again at some stage. So we apologise for it. There's a, a lot of people on Twitter asking whether Damo was too frightened to uh, duke it out with Caro in, oh, on stage. Uh, on, not, on what topic, Kachi? I'm not as certain of that, but I think it was probably in the back of his mind. And the, sec- <laughs> the second thing that I've learnt... Oh, yeah, because I've always run away from fights. This was going to, I, I mentioned this was going to be an away game, and I say that with a great compliment to the Don't Shoot the Messenger audience. Having had a look through the, the ticketing... It, it was going to be like a West Coast home game this day, mate. The Don't Shoot the Messenger audience, yeah. and there's so many wonderful women and men who follow that that podcast, had had soaked up all the tickets, <laughs> and we could barely find a crumb. There's barely a sounding board family member well, out there or a fraternity who bought a ticket. I must admit, actually, I'm not surprised. I, I couldn't think of much we, worse than to go and watch you and me talk, actually. We have no following when it comes to the event space, and-, and Caro and Corey have done a great job with events, thanks to Red and Jill on the way. Had an overwhelming following. Well, they can do it by themselves. To the point where Caro did say to me, in, a, in as friendly a way as Caro can possibly say, yep. in other words, is there any danger you guys can contribute to this towering crowd that's I, coming together? I'll tell you what we'll do now, okay? Given that that's clearly the messaging we're getting, and you need to listen and, hear, and adhere to messages you hear. Uh, when we do get out of lockdown, it'll just be a don't shoot the messenger presentation, I think. 
Oh, no, I th- I'm, I'm thinking it should be like a, um, this is going to be at the Astor Theatre, right, which is very much a don't shit the messenger home ground. I'm thinking we we need to get one going at, I don't know, the Mount Erica pub or something. <laughs> That's more of an, you know. On a Saturday afternoon <laughs> yeah. in between race With five and Sky, six. Sky Channel in the background <laughs> and a Palmer. Yeah, I'm not sure that'll work either, actually. <laughs> and, and just cr- create our own kind of uh, fraternity no. because we are, our, our crowd, we're, we're Hats off to Don't Shoot the Messenger. They are much more popular than us. <laughs> now, this topic I was about to get to, before you apologise for the second time in 13 minutes, uh, is one that I know that does aspects of fascinate you. Mark Stevens. Mark Stevens, former Channel 7 journalist and prior to that uh, long-time Herald Sun journalist, uh, leaving the craft and art of journalism to go into politics as an advisor for the state opposition leader here in Victoria, Michael O'Brien, F- officially finished up two Fridays ago. And he's always been reasonably, uh, in his own mind anyway, clever Hutchie in how he tweets. Um, some very cryptic tweeting going on in recent times. And, and, and one of our listeners is all over this in a way that uh, would make you proud. Okay. And the, the race to replace... By the way, it can't be easy him being a higher profile than the state opposition leader, can it? <laughs> That's going to be an issue at some stage. Well, I hadn't even thought of that, but that so would be true. Do you think when they go to a presser, that journalists will go, Michael, can, what time can we get Steve-O for a few words? <laughs> so the the race to replace Mark Stevens, we, we thought it was a one-horse race. I'm wondering, I'm wondering no. if there's another horse in the race, no, actually. No, there's not. Because Mark Stevens himself, since resigning or since quitting and, and yep. since leaving Channel 7, I'm reliably informed by the person who's all over this activity – has at least on one occasion and quite possibly more retweeted the work of Tom Morris from Fox Sports and not once has referenced any work of Tom Brown, who he doesn't get on with and who wants his job quite desperately. So this person, and I'm I'm with this person, thinks Steve-O may think Tom Morris might be in the race to replace him. You think there's a a (laughs) co-host? I'm not even going to buy into this. Sure, that's Tom Brown's job, don't, I? don't even worry about I, it. I would have thought so. Yeah. And Tom desperately wants it. You think he's like the former coach? You think he's in the background trying to undermine well, it? You think he's undermining Tom Brown's leadership already? Is he maybe doing what Mick Moldhouse did? His yeah. former... Cross my mind. <laughs> and and this, this was also observed by the person who alerted me. I've checked all this, Hutchie. Quite humorously, only in the last few hours, he's actually bagged, steve bagged the Services Victoria app. I saw that though, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that is a very Liberal Party thing to do right now, I would have thought, wouldn't it? Because you can yeah. wash your hands of that right now. Is that on, He's in opposition at the moment. Is that on point? Like, is he doing that as a, as a Liberal spokesman? Or I, is he? I wouldn't give him enough credit to have, to have thought this through, Archie. Yeah. I think he's probably just acted on a whim. <laughs> I still can't get over the, 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 the guy that wrote the Shockwaves radio column. He's a senior Liberal Party figure in Victoria. Shockwaves, that's Remember right. Shockwaves? Yeah, shockwaves. In the yeah. Sunday press? Yeah. <laughs> he was the first one to write about that, radio. That was almost yeah. a trailblazer, maybe for your, your um, radio show on a Saturday morning, wasn't it, in some ways? Yeah. It, was a, it was a look, a, a newspaper look at other media, wasn't it? Was it was before its time, Shockwaves, I think. Yeah, it, was, it was called Shockwaves. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, I know she's had the people that, you know, generally the early adapters did this, people that put their work, place of work and job of choice in their Twitter handle, <laughs> yeah. Speaks to vanity for me, and then you got to. Well, no, un- is, is it vanity or insecurity? It's a bit of both, and then you got to unwind that when you leave. Actually, that's a good point. Let's so, say, you know what he was? Has he done that? He was Steve. Oh, you've already noticed this. Yeah, so no, I'm yeah. all over it. Yeah. He was. He was at Steve O Seven AFL, right? Which you know, got the big seven and the big AFL in the in the header. And what is he now? 
Uh, he's now at Steve-O Media. <laughs> I see. I, I had not picked that up. Okay. He hasn't gone with that Steve-O Libs, I noticed. What have you, what are you? You're just, you're just the Craig Cutchie, aren't you? First name, nickname. Yep. Yeah. I'm just, uh, what am I? Surname, Christian name. Before, Actually, you, before you move on, just yes. a little shout out. So, 14-year-old kid named Max Becker has a podcast called The Sporting Max. Yep. So, shout out to Max. He's a 14-year-old kid who's done an enormous amount of interviews visually and audio-wise from his home setup. And uh, has high aspirations in media. It's his fiftieth episode uh, last week, and I was kind enough to be his guest. Were you? He said, "Why you better guest before me?" Is this I'd... all part of a thawing? Is this is this part of the project? The so, thawing of Craig Hutchison on if, Max Becker's podcast. If you want to check out Max Becker's, it's Sporting Max. You'll find it on Instagram and on YouTube and yep. on on other uh, in, on other digital platforms. Is there any any ammunition that we can use against you, good self, for, for well, on this product? And I wish you had given me you, a heads up on this. I might have been able to get if you watch some it, ears on it. If you watch it closely, you'll oh, see you'll see how unprepared I am for the strength of the questions. Okay. <laughs> I, was on, I was on the break. It was a, a lovely 14-year-old kid, and I thought they would be questions asked by you know, a 14-year-old a 14-year-old kid. kid. <laughs> Who would be – would that be year eight? But when, when question three was take us through the merger between Pacific Star Network and SEN and the circumstances at the time of bringing the two companies together, I was like, okay, we just a little bit more prep for this. Did he so ask you about- um, He played me on the break for 25 minutes. He's going to be a great talent. I hope we hear him on our airwaves soon. I'm going to make that a, a personal okay. uh, aspiration to, to hear a bit more of Max, and he's got a big future ahead of him. So well done. And right. Mark Howard had, had been a previous guest, and he's in- he's Howie was on before you. Howie was on before me. Wow. Well, you go for the big audience. Yeah, clearly. Howie Games gives you the kind of audience rub. So, clout, yeah. So there you go. Did he ask you about owning one team in a in a, in a grand final and then buying the one I that that team yeah, beat I, a matter of days he later? He didn't miss me on many things. He was good. He was very good. So well done to Max. He's got a big career in the media. How's that going, by the way? You, by the way, it managed to got patch up all your old relationships with the, the um, Melbourne United team and then going on to your new ones with your Perth Wildcats. How's that going? No, it's going going well. Uh, Has anyone left the Wildcats? No coach in Perth, which is a little awkward at the moment. We're working through that, but it's got nothing to do with the purchase, Hutchie. It's all just coincidence. <laughs> no, it was an NBA opportunity for Trevor Gleeson, yep. the coach. He couldn't stand the way. I, I actually know that to be the case. I just so great for Trevor. Find it funny that he's walked out. Great for Trevor after, after you've bought it, and and not ideal for us, but obviously a great opportunity for the next coach to put his or her stamp on the role. So yep. uh, we'll go from there. Just got me thinking about the fourteen-year-old uh, Max. By the way, if there's any kids out there who are doing podcasts. Please send us a link to them on the Sounding Board EP, and we will do our best to retweet them and share them as well, because I think it's great, the young be, wave. That of, could be dangerous. We, they, they may be endorsing things that, that we true. don't need to it's endorse. True. Yeah, but if they're good enough to be doing that at 14. So, so you'll, you'll, you'll vet every program before you put your name to it? Jane will be all over it, don't oh, I? Jane. <laughs> Poor Jane. Sorry, I've interrupted you a few times, don't I? <laughs> That's right. No, I was just going to say, look, people, it's good they embrace some of the things that amuse me, you and me, Hutchie, you and I, Hutchie, because- By the way, I could <laughs> young young journalist the other day I ran into named Staff. So obviously, <laughs> Staff Riders. If, well, if you want to call your, your child first name Staff Riders, <laughs> that'll give them their best shot at a journalistic career. <laughs> yeah. Star, well, Star, oh, Staff Riders Smith, nice to meet you. <laughs> ah. or, or, or if your surname is Source, you could uh, have the Christian name Impeccable <laughs> or High Placed. Because um, yep. that, that topic has been one, I think, that's uh, resonated somewhat amongst our listeners, Archie. And we seem to get some offerings each week, even we if do. we don't see them ourselves. And 
the latest one. So we've got impeccable being the benchmark for a source, haven't we? And that was pointed out to us, uh, front page or back page article of the Herald Sun, that was pointed out to us by one of our listeners who said it doesn't get better than an impeccable source, particularly when you reference that source as being impeccable. We've then seen, and we're paying more attention to this now than ever, more than ever, uh, references to high-placed source. There's been senior club figure. Yep. There's been, this was the weird one last week in the Herald Sun, popular wisdom says that yep. something happens. Um, this has been around for a long time, but it's been twice know, in the paper last week. I know week. where you're going. Do you? Track watches. No, track watches is another reference this week. Yes, yep. track watches. That's an old Jared Healy saying, isn't it? So what, I've never been to a footy club training and seen anyone in the grandstand in 10 years. <laughs> and yet if you read the paper, there's thousands of track watches. Right. You know what? There used to be track watches. When I first started, which is a long time ago now, there, there were people that were on the fringes of, of getting some form of deal to, to ring up the sun, um, as it was back then, Hutchie, before it became the Herald Sun, on a, on a form of retainer, as a small retainer, and would they just relay what happened that night at training. And, and I used to take those phone calls. The deals really? were already in. Yeah. So, that so there you were, had track watches. There were track watches, yeah. And in, in a different era, as you know, back in the landline era, um, obviously not every single training session could be covered because there weren't the amount of journalists back then and, and things would happen. And, and those guys would sometimes come up with some extraordinary stories. Like, you know, Tony Hall's gone down tonight to, at Hawthorne with a, with a really bad knee or a bad hamstring or, or so-and-so. And, and you'd get the story at 7 or 8 o'clock at night. Yep. Back, back page deadline was 10 p.m. So there were, there were, there were things such as, as track watches. Um, there's not now. You know, the, the most underestimated thing I, I found in my journalistic AFL days, here we go, war stories again. Wish we had a war stories opener. We'll get one of those. Well, like an old typewriter or something. When you when you provide you the time you committed to provide for some extra episodes, yep. we're going to do a few more war stories. The most underestimated source, I always used to ask people who they barrack for because you, you understood there where they stood on things. So if you went to, say, I don't know, St Kilda training and there was someone on the hill watching training every week, if you saw the same person more than once, I'd always ask them who they barrack for. Now, eight times out of ten, maybe nine, they'd say St Kilda. But one or two times out of 10, they might say, oh, I'll just live across the road. I'm a bit bored on a Thursday afternoon and I'm a, I'm a Collingwood man. And then they were fair game as a source. Then I'd, I'd get their number and ring once a week, every week. Because I reckon you'd average, you know, one in every 30, they'd tell you something relevant. Yeah. yeah. Three, 4% of the time. That's a good strike rate. But if you get enough of them going around the place, if, yep. you've, got a, if you've got someone at St Kilda and you've got someone who regularly watches training, and you've got the cafeteria person there. <laughs> yeah. You get a, need a good gardener at a hospital. Always look for the gardeners in the hospitals because they always were generally <laughs> bored. Well, they're generally bored footy fans, and they recognise a footballer walking. Didn't you have the story went out? And this is before. limousine drivers or car drivers or taxi drivers. Didn't you have the guy or, or girl? I think it was a guy who, who ran the coffee machine at the entrance to the Alfred Hospital. I couldn't confirm or deny that specifically, but the people the, around the fact you haven't confirmed or denied would suggest that what I've just asked you may well I, be true. I always thought. People who could see stories with their own eyes but didn't have a dog in the fight were my kind of hitting zone. People that were otherwise present. Did you pay and, that said coffee person? Well, it don't actually – when you – no, no, I didn't. Oh, I think you might have, but anyway. I was a commodity trader, you know, footy tickets and whatever else I could come up with. Oh, I thought, How do you have that conversation? You, the, you go and get made Oliver flat white with uh, with two, and then as you, as it's milk's boiling again, hey, um, listen, I've got a proposal for you here. No, you had to build trust first, so you had to spend six, eight weeks building a relationship before you'd ask for something. And about twenty coffees. 
they just had to just get to know people, wasn't it? Wasn't. But uh, how do you how do you take that? You must have had all those. No, I, I never did. I, I I heard stories about you doing it, and I was always jealous and 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 feeling people, inferior that to not go down that path. People that because you had people everywhere, didn't you? People that were bored generally were always a, a good one to to find because if you found people that were a bit bored, then they generally had. Uh, you can make a bit of excitement in their day. <laughs> oh, Craig Cutchison has just rung me. But taxis, airports. <laughs> taxis and airports. Drivers. <laughs> gardeners. Oh, this is gold. Atten- gardeners. Attendance, uh, gardeners at hospitals, was it? You said? Front gate attendants. Security. Security. Absolutely security front with us. Security. Uh, do you find certain professions are more on the take than others? Yeah, we didn't have to pay these people because if you built relationships, you'd. Generally, generally tell you what was going on, um, and you had to do, you had to make a lot of calls that we know. So look, well, I, I, again, I'm sounding like I was. I know how this sounds, but we'll do this deep in anyway. Yeah, you, you have to spend a lot of time on on things that you know are going to deliver no answers, and which that, is not good for you. Well, that's the that's the that's a skill, though, isn't it? That's the skill, the, and I reckon all this era of young reporters would be the same. You know the. Um, they're not the young anymore, but Tom Morris and Tom Brown and Mitch Cleary and Sam McClure, that whole era, they would all be the same. You need to, you need to go ring us and kill a guy Tuesdays. I know he'll say nothing, but you know, once a year I'll get something, it'll be worth the 30 calls. Yeah. And he's a nice guy or girl anyway, so we have a nice five-minute conversation. That, that would be my most operating. I'd just do it on scale. Yeah. On scale. Yeah. And then people would say, how did, you, how did you know that money was going on? And often it was just the, the work. The um, speaking of which, did you see Mitch Cleary on the uh, Today Show? Yeah, I, I did. I want to get to that in a minute. Um, before he, we finish, before we finish the the impeccable source, high place source, club figures, popular wisdom. The the other track one's watches. been track watchers, and there's been another one around for for years, Hutchie, but more prominently in recent times, the whistleblower. Yes, because that the whistleblower takes on higher connotations, doesn't he or she? There's a there's an inference of something sinister in in the use of a whistleblower. There's an inference of something that's been done that's wrong, uh, some skullduggery attached to it? They're rare. They're, Don't you think? Well, whistleblowers are rare. They're, they're, they're unicorns. They're, they're overcooked, though. A whistleblower is overcooked. Can I ask you another A whistleblower question? can be a disgruntled employee, did you ever, former employee. Did you ever talk a whistleblower out of talking because you didn't want to lose them as a source post the act? Yeah. Yeah, I did all yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Is, is that, that's probably not good to admit that, though, is it? Well, I, I, <laughs> because sometimes you put a weight on the story, you're better off not going with this one because people will know it's you, yeah. whereas I want to keep you as my source. I, I, I'm long ago hung the boots up on journalism and I've long ago admitted I wasn't proud of all the things I did, so I'm, I can talk a bit more freely than perhaps you can who are still doing it. When a whistleblower puts his or her name to something yep. that well, they, you know is going to cost them their reputation or their job, it's a great story for 48 hours. Not even 48 now. It's about 48 20, minutes. Yep. Yeah. But you do lose their ongoing support in their place of employee and they lose their job. So Yeah. And then you lose your contact. I often were talking people out of speaking or revealing things. Yep. Play it's, the long game is the other, <laughs> yeah, the I other agree advice I'd give young, young journalists. So, so th- this was a, a quote from a, again, usual usual play here, uh, a whistleblower, anonymous whistleblower, told the Herald Sun. Uh, Can you be an anonymous whistleblower? Well, yeah, whistleblowers are anonymous until the inquiry usually hurts you, and then they still remain anonymous. But this is the quote, and, and it, again, it gets back to that anonymous quote, which is always a great quote from someone anonymous. Um, the VCGLR, which whatever that is, that's some board, uh, claimed publicly to have investigated the Melbourne Football Club tanking scandal, but I have proof that was a lie, and I will provide that proof to the inquiry which hasn't yet been called, that inquiry. Yep. That's a whistleblower. 
This is the Victorian uh, gambling regulator. Is it? They're, yeah. they're often quoted, but don't often seem to land too many punches. Do, do any government bodies actually ever do anything? It, it reminds me of... Do they episode, ever do anything? That reminds me of an episode of Utopia. Yeah. Just an, 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 the areas of entity that have got a lot to say, but don't, don't land a lot of punches. It's just a box being able to be ticked in one of the department's and in, and operations. In, and in fairness, you need them. You need that, that degree of accountability, but you... They don't do anything. You'd like to think they could catch... Well, catch what, 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 okay, what has the gaming regulators done in this state and other states when it comes to the casino operations? Yeah, I'm still watching that with interest, but... Oh, I'm watching it with a lot of interest, and I wonder how they haven't picked up at least 1% of what's been revealed at a Royal Commission. Don't you think? I, I don't think they hold a candle to the Asada annual report. I'd be keen to, keen to look oh, back on that. Actually, I, I would argue they're right. They're, in fact, I would argue they're the, they're the clubhouse leaders. The Asada, Asada are the... Are the this is the Olympic Games. They started the Olympic Games of. No, I would say the gaming regulators might be when I think about it. I'd love to. They I, just turned deliberately turned we've, we've, a blind eye to everything that went on. We've talked about it before in this podcast. I'd love to sit on and start a weekly weekly staff meeting, weekly whip. Let's look back on last week, guys. How'd that go down? <laughs> yeah, I didn't didn't catch a lot last week in the end. What about that? Still case? Still looking into that one from two thousand seven. Yeah, I've got a couple of meetings coming up in the next three to six months. I mentioned Mitch Cleary there. Yes. He's found he's our, our man, the Masai, who began his career producing the sounding board, albeit reluctantly. He was reluctant in the end, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. He, he ended up with Rebecca Madden I saw on the Today Show. on social media. I didn't you see saw it. it on social media because he shared it on every one of his platforms. Is that right? He's <laughs> pitching himself as the next Carl Stefanovic. <laughs> he was sitting, he's sitting as though he was hosting the show. He, he, he presented himself on social <laughs> like he'd been asked to fill in. <laughs> Mitch, come, come on. on, Mitch. <laughs> come on, mate. Well done. You bobbed up on the Today Show. Well done. Have you spoken to Mitch since he, he left? Yeah, I have, but I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of him. It's pretty frosty there for a while, wasn't it, between you and Mitch? Not with me. I think it was. No. I, think, I think you was the old-fashioned out no. the door and don't let it get you on the way out, wasn't it? You no, I beg for him. But I always just put our energy into what's going on here. Yeah, fair no, enough. No point putting into what's not here. Um, now, my man, Peter Volandis. He's done it yet again. He is destroying single-handedly. Was it Cox Plate Days put the money in? Yeah. So I won't get too... You, whenever you go into a race... This is what happens whenever you go into racing. You come across a cynical. I get a heap of text and emails from people saying, tell Damo not to bother. He doesn't understand racing. <laughs> I don't understand racing. So I just I've want been, to put that I've out I've been there. illegally gambling since about 13, Hutchie. I think I understand Before it. you get into it, let's just put the caveat. I think I had a TAB Here's account when I was 14. And the words of Damien's about the saying, doesn't really understand racing or anything to do with the politics of Victoria New South Wales, LMTC 3416. And he, here's my disclaimer on you, Hutch. You, you do have a, a, um, a horse in the race in this, given all the money you get from the gambling around it. But I want to raise this, Hutchie, because he introduced the Everest concept, which has taken off and has become as big as the Melbourne Cup. Uh, I wouldn't have said it's big as the Melbourne okay, Cup. Okay, okay it's, it's probably become second to only the Melbourne Cup. I wouldn't Cup. have said it's second well, to the Melbourne I, Cup. I would, argue, I would argue it's become second only to the Melbourne Cup. Um, he had Amanda Elliott, the head of a Victorian uh, racing authority at the time, calling him, quote, a silly little man. And then in the next breath, the Victorian industry introduces the All-Star Mile, which happened to be about $7 million less and a lesser quality race, which ended up cannibalising its own product, the Australian Cup, in the autumn. You've then got the Golden Eagle destroying the Cox Plate. I know it's a different distance, but it's a... It's basically taking the best weight for age, inverted commas, horses out of the Cox Plate. And now you've got another scenario where he's introduced another race out of nowhere, $2 million, called The Invitation, on October 23, the week before the Derby Day meeting starts. 
It's going to take all the good mares out of the Melbourne Carnival, at least on that Derby Day meeting, when there's a traditional race for them. And then there's two other races that he's boosted prize money of, which will compete with other lead-up races, Turnbull Stakes, for instance, into the Melbourne Cup Carnival. I, I think he has single-handedly destroying Victorian racing, and they're just letting it happen. There's been not one counter shot to any of this. Yeah, he finished. I think it's great for racing. Like, it's good it's for, for racing. Sydney racing. It's great for New South Wales racing. We have a different view on this. I think it's great for racing. Who cares if there's more content in different places on the same day? It's, it ultimately drives interest. It drives... I don't think there's more content. There's just better content in yeah, Sydney. What's he meant to do, though? Me- meant to not... Comp- no, no my, 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 my point is, what is Victorian racing doing apart from paying exorbitant fees and salaries to people who have nice titles but don't ever talk to each other and certainly don't act unified enough to combat this force, which is destroying them? They're not as... And it won't be their problem. They'll just move on. They're not as driven by big day, big event, big check. The, the mile in uh, March has been obviously an exception to that, but it's not... I don't think it's the end of the world if you're... It's an erosion of what they once had, Archie. That they once so, had from Caulfield Cup through to the Stakes Day, which is three consecutive Saturdays or four consecutive Saturdays, they've lost it. They've, they've, it's already impacted the Everest. Yeah, the Everest has, has smashed the Spring Carnival. I would argue that it drives interest in racing general, one, and it also drives turnover into all the pools on the day, too. So... I'm not as convinced as you mm. about that, and I, I actually don't have any problem with... But the good horses, we've already yeah. seen it now. There's enough evidence to suggest they're really good horses and not coming to but Melbourne. If you said that that uh, off-course was nine, more than 99% of revenues and probably close to 100 and on-course was... like, Does it really affect the off-course turnover? I'm, I'm, people, I'm, still, people, I'm still... Are people as obsessed with the quality... I'm romantic with horse racing. I love seeing the best horses compete. At, at, so at that time. But it's are, not happening now. Are people as obsessed with the quality of the horse as they once were? Probably not. Because they can't go, right? Or haven't been able to go to the same degree they did. But at some stage, minutes. don't you have to protect your patch? I mean, this this is this is a war, a, a sporting war. And and Victoria think, cannot get itself even even prepared to suit up and, and cop the bullets, let alone fight back. I think racing, I just about it. racing New South Wales is absolutely entitled to build its business at the most popular time of year. Well, it is. It's entitled. It is. And, I, and Victoria are entitled to respond to it, and I'm sure they probably What's will. What's their response? They copycatted the the um, buy a slot type of scenario yeah, with the All-Star good, Mile. They've got a pretty good framework, though, already, haven't they? With no, but that, that framework is being eroded. That, that's my point. Memsies through the Ballarat Cup day and everything in between is a fairly good slow racing. Ballarat Cup? I'm so, what's that's that? a la- it's the last day of Yeah, the, I know. That's after the spring carnival, Yeah, but it? Like, you, went, you go Memsies and then... Yeah, but we used to go all that, and we used to have the, the Turnbull, the Turnbull in, in, into the Caulfield Cup, yep, yep. into the Cox Plate, into the Derby, into the Stake. The the appeal is just not there anymore, Hutchie. The, I good, the good horses will be staying up there. I think it still is. Disagree slightly. I, I do. I do. That's all right. You're very very um, emotional about it. I just, I just don't, I just don't know how they can't fight back on it. Hey, tell me, um, you and I did discuss this uh, at one stage last year, and I've got no scientific background behind it. Am I being, and you know, I'm the greatest advocate of high definition TV. Am I being dotted with broadcasting at the moment? Are the costs cutting into the actual quality of vision coming through on my screen, Hutchie? I haven't investigated it, but I would say there's a chance, particularly in sport. I would think that. 
the focus on the quality of the HD picture is not as important as the means to fund it in the first place. So, But how does that work? It's 2021. There's been high-definition TV around since 2000, I mean, since the late 1990s. I hear about this for 15 years. <laughs> and, and so, so we're yeah. now compromised. Yeah. We're now compromising are, on quality, are we? <laughs> you are to HDTV what Laurie Levy is to duck season <laughs> and what Neil Harvey is to the Australian Batting Order. Laurie Levy is to duck season. <laughs> you are. You're, you're, you're dial a quote and outraged about HDTV. Hey, what's your favourite streaming device, by the way? Uh, I don't get to watch a lot of. Are it. you agnostic or are you? No, 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 no. I've got them all. I've, I've, I've got them all, and God knows yeah, how many. So you're agnostic. Our, our family. What's your favourite though of the, of the various? If, if I had to give you one, I, yeah. I, I find myself watching stuff on Stan. Yep. Yeah, but that's just probably my taste and, and my. But again, I, I don't watch anything during the footy season. I just don't have yep. time. So, what are you? I'm, what are you I'm late to the party on this. The sounding board audience have been strong on this for a while. I'm late to the party, Mister In Between. How good. You've seen it? Oh, yeah. And I was, I was on to that early, really, really early days. Yep. Yeah. Where was the heads up? It's not for everyone, that show. I know, but here's the thing about streaming. Yeah. If you like something, hmm. the social contract we have as civilians is to share it. You can't you can't keep a series. You can't. Well, I, I reckon I was. I think it's the exact opposite of fishing. If, you, if you're a fisherman. I was on the bandwagon, the first bandwagon of Mr. Inbetween. If, you, if you're a fisherman or similar or something where there's limited number of them, yep. or, you know, I don't know, there's a restaurant that only seats 12 people and it's always booked out. I understand, keep that to yourself, right? That's a, that's scarcity of demand. When something is widely available, you must share it. What, I was, what do you mean you were a Mr. No, In-Between early adopter and haven't well, shared it? Well, I saw it? it on a plane, actually, Hutchie, um, and, and you can crash the course, as you know. The only thing with that is, though, I've been recommended some some high-end stuff from other people. I don't like other recommendations, and I'm assuming people don't like my recommendations. I'm, I'm a pretty specific type of viewer. I, I've got to have a fair bit of oh, anyway, reality. I can just imagine you seeing it. It's got to be a bit gritty, a bit grimy, a bit LA-ish, you know, LA crime. You'd sit down and say, what's this, Janine? This will be no good. This <laughs> bloke this. Sit, who's in this? Oh, his career never went anywhere. You'd be cynical. You'd be about five episodes in going, yeah, it's not, actually, it's not too bad. Well, he's this. real. As and opposed then to seven the... episodes, yeah. And then by nine episodes, gee, would you want to find this? See, I wouldn't have picked you as a mystery in between man, by the way. Why? I just wouldn't have thought it was you. I love, I love those dark the, the characters. The nuances in it. The, the, nuances, dark, the yeah. dark characters are great. He's just been my favourite character. And the script are awesome. He, he's probably become my favourite character since Mike out of Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's my favourite character since uh, Cleaver Green. Who's that one? From from Rake or Rocky. Oh. <laughs> See, I haven't watched that. I'm a massive Cleaver <laughs> Green fan. Do you know Mike in Breaking Bad? The, I know of, but I'm the, not the old sort of ex, he gives the impression of being an ex war veteran. You never know his backstory, but he's just the fixer and he's got a few issues like everyone does. And Are you a big Breaking Bad man? Yeah, again, I got into that one late, very late. Take you a while to warm up? Or? Uh, yeah, and nearly gave it up uh, halfway through series three, but yep. the greatest decision I ever made was to keep persevering through that period. Well done. Yes. Sometimes with the dark shows, you've got to really see off the new ball, don't you? They yeah, you do. Up, yeah. Yeah. You got yeah. a bunker in saying yeah. this won't get, this won't break me. Yep. No, very good point. Hey, um, just quickly before we get to the question of the week, uh, Nathan Buckley's uh, offerings on on social Glad media. Glad you raised. So you run the risk reward over that as a tweet. Where was the upside? Don't know what he's doing. I think it was a view shared by many. Yet was, I don't know where he's going with it. I think it was a view very shared by a lot, but very polarizing to the other half of the argument. And Can you imagine the outcry if he was still Collingwood coach? And I realise the only reason he did send it yeah. is because he's not. And then there was a half a attempt to distance and back away. There was, actually. Yeah. There was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was. Yeah. Be kind. Yeah. Hey, uh, question of the week time <laughs> right now. <laughs> 
On the Sounding Board, it's our question of the week for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to DrinkWise. It is a question of the week time for DrinkWise. And Hutchie, uh, Stuart Henham on Facebook wants uh, you to ask me this. Yeah, and you're saying to me, ask, you know, page four or something, is that what you're saying? <laughs> Just say it out loud so we can hear what you're saying. There it's it is. It's on page four. James right. got it on page four. Okay. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. And if you're missing the hard questions, drink wise at the same time. Stuart Henham, question for Damo. Uh, two parts. Actually, read that next bit out. Question for Damo. As Hutchie is compromised. Again. Right well on, Stuart. That's not fair. <laughs> One. A journalist working for the large media company scared to voice a negative story relating to the Tokyo Olympics for fear of future rights and coverage or future <laughs> trips implications. Yeah. And two, what tally of positive COVID cases among athletes leading to their inability to compete is acceptable? Uh, the first one, if you channel seven, Stuart, there will be no criticism of said Olympics. I think that's fair to say. And I think any other organisation which is still sending a team across to the Games would be very reluctant to... Um, I don't think that's entirely right. The news will be... I think it's... Oh, look, I've, I've, I've been fortunate enough to cover Olympic Games for um, News Limited. I'm very fortunate to, to cover... Are you given writing instructions? No, you're not. But but at the same time, too, you, you, you're going over there very excitedly, too. I, I, you'd have no interest in bagging them, I wouldn't have thought. It, it's probably more likely the people who haven't got the gig, who may want to do it, but probably wouldn't Yeah, I, do it. My experience, newsrooms are, are almost entirely independent on these on these things. They might get an uncomfortable call from the MD down to the news editor. I saw that story last night. Just be mindful. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, the editor has asked we back off on this one. Yeah. yeah. The, like, uh, just reminding you the circumstances of our Olympic investment. And the second just, question there. Just what? so you're across. I'm not, I'm not asking you not to do that story tomorrow night as a, as a follow-up. I'm just <laughs> reminding you. <laughs> or if you do do it, can you get that opinion from the other side of the fence just to balance it up? Uh, the second question, what tally of positive COVID cases amongst athletes leading to their inability to compete is acceptable? Um, Stuart, fantastic question. We even had issues with uh, qualification allowances when it came to travel and uh, protocols required. So um, what tally? Uh, I think any time there's um, probably more than two or three athletes who would traditionally be in a final Eight of their events um, would be the, the tipping point for me when it comes to Olympic gold being I, at stake. I don't know what the tipping point is, but I, I suspect we'll know when we get there. The tipping point will be when it starts to get dangerous and you know puts other athletes at, at genuine risk every day, Yeah, as it happened in the IPL. There was a point where you woke up and went, okay, that's about enough. I think that'll be the same in the Olympics. Yep. And, and I, 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 I know doubt, you're buoyed about them. I doubt we'll get there, though. You think we'll get through? Yeah, well, the, I mean, the two and a half vaccination weeks. rate's enormous, for starters, yeah. which is a little bit different to the IPL, and it's, it's, it'll be, and the Japanese are incredibly organised. Like, it's got, I just think it's got a tremendous chance of being okay. I hope it does, because I, yeah. I love nothing more than an Olympic game, Sachi, but I'm very sceptical about this one being scheduled at this point in time, but I think people know my views on that now. That was episode 23 of Series 6 of the Sounding Board for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to watch the Olympics and want to have a drink as you're doing so, choose to DrinkWise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to DrinkWise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to DrinkWise.